It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's been another big week in the world of Olympic and Paralympic sport. This is anything but footy, your unashamed Olympic and Paralympic podcast. This week, the IOC selected a host city for the Winter Games of 2026. And the second European Games held in Minsk has come to a close. From a British point of view, Team GB will be represented in football next summer in Tokyo after the Lionesses reach the World Cup semi-finals in France. And Joe Chun will be one of the favourites for gold in Tokyo after winning modern pentathlon's World Cup final and securing his country a place at the Games with over a year to go. Oh, and Wimbledon starts tomorrow. I'm Michael. And I'm John. Success comes at a price, and so does sport. Archery and badminton have delivered at those European Games without funding from UK Sport, while the cost of hosting the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games is also on the up. We've been predicting it for weeks. It now seems certain the London Olympic Stadium, home of 2012 success, won't be the home of British athletics for too much longer. And the London 2012 Stadium, of course, when you talk about Olympic legacy, is hosting Major League Baseball as we talk. The Boston Red Sox against the New York Yankees taking place at the London Stadium right now. But let's head to Minsk and the European Games. Ten days of competition has drawn to a close following the conclusion of the second European Games event. Badminton player Marcus Ellis was selected to carry the flag at the closing ceremony for Team GB. He won two gold medals, the men's doubles with Chris Langridge and the mixed doubles with Lauren Smith. Team GB won five out of a possible seven medals in badminton. Two of those were gold, all helping with ranking points ahead of Tokyo and signalling a resurgence in the sport which lost UK sport funding despite Ellis and Langridge's bronze medal in Rio. The final medal table sees Russia at the top, 109 in total for them, including 44 golds. Then came Belarus, Ukraine, Italy, Netherlands, Germany, Georgia, France and the UK. Six golds, nine silvers, eight bronzes, 23 medals in total. And you go through some of those names that are on the top of the podium. Lauren Price in boxing. We've mentioned Marcus Ellis, Pat McCormack, another boxer as well. A good games for our archery team. Very good games, though, John, for our badminton players. 
Yeah, and as you rightly say, Michael, this is the sport that had its main UK funding withdrawn, UK sport funding withdrawn, more than £5 million after Rio. It does now get an uh, what they call an aspiration fund, but you're talking about half a million after that change of focus on medal-winning performances. But, you know, what a performance from the badminton. You're absolutely right. Seven uh, potential medals and five of them have been won by Brits. We had an all-British uh, final um, with uh, the mixed doubles, as you say, um, where Ellis won with Lauren Smith and the Adcocks, Chris and Gabby, uh, getting silver. Ellis won with Chris Langridge in the men's doubles, uh, following on from that bronze at Rio, which I'll talk about in, in a moment, but also silvers as well for Kirsty Balfour. Uh, after she beat the number one seed in the semis and Lauren Smith and Chloe Birch in the uh, silver in the women's doubles. And I think what's interesting with this sport, um, Michael, is that, you know, we've had success over a number of Olympics. Uh, obviously, everyone remembers Ems and Robertson, for example, from, from Athens. And I remember interviewing Marcus Ellis and Chris Langridge, as I'm sure you do, in Rio, in the pitch black, outside uh, the Athletes' Village, right towards the end of the Games. And their performance in the Olympics was one of the highlights because we know that badminton is a sport that is dominated uh, by the Asian nations. And, of course, in the European Games, they're not, they're not there. Uh, so we have to look at this in, in some kind of perspective. But what I think it does also show that sometimes adversity spurs you on. Now, Ellis and Langridge were absolutely gutted when that funding was taken away from them and they thought about quitting the sport. But they fought on and uh, they've actually got stronger and stronger. And I don't think anyone can question British badminton has delivered at these games. One of the best multi-sport games uh, with that tally. But you have to look at it and go, the Asian nations are not involved. But is it a stepping stone for Tokyo 2020? I would argue, like archery, which has had no UK sport funding either, and also for boxing, seven medals, as you, you rightly say, Lauren uh, Price getting that gold on the final day and also Pat McCormack with the gold, but seven medals overall. And, you know, let's hope that event takes place in Tokyo because, as we've discussed in previous editions of Anything But Footy, the world governing body won't be staging it. But actually, these three sports... Boxing does have funding, but the other two really shows there's potential with a year to go where we could medal where we weren't expecting to medal. And I think the funding issue is very, very important because we've seen, haven't we, with people across lots of different sports, and I think particularly about athletics, where those that have lost funding actually are spurred on by it. Laura Waitman had a fantastic year after losing uh, funding with British Athletics. We've seen over the past few days Jodie Williams, who was such a prodigiously good young sprinter, unbeaten for four or five seasons, but then as a senior hasn't really done it. And she's taken herself out of the system, and she's registering PBs, over in America at the moment and she's suddenly coming back into focus as being someone to watch ahead of Doha and you talk about badminton, you talk about the funding that they lost and you talk about the disappointment and the upset for Marcus Ellis and Chris Langridge. These European games, if you know we are to have a debate about where they are in terms of um, prestige in the, the global sporting calendar, I think if you were to speak to those archers, those badminton players, they're right up there at the moment. And fantastic uh, for them a year out from Tokyo to have, you know, put this marker down, if you like. They're going to face, as you say, a very, very different challenge in Tokyo. But Marcus Ellis and Chris Langridge proved that they are two of the world's best in, in Rio with that Olympic medal. Yeah. I think if I was to go through the other sports and some of the, the disappointments 
Um, I think, obviously, we expect a lot of our gymnasts these days. They haven't brought the medal hall home that we would expect, but you should counter that with the team that they sent. And likewise, our cyclists, who we are so used to on the track, certainly, you know, winning medals left, right and centre. Every member of the track cycling programme winning a medal in Rio. Our track cyclists, and, you know, there was big names in there, Olympic names like Katie Marchant and Jason Kenny, a little bit disappointing. Mm, I, yeah, I, I think you're right, but I would say you're 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 also right to say the teams were inexperienced. So the gymnastics was an inexperienced team, but and also an injured people coming back from injury. Bryn Bevin, uh, Becky Downey, who did grab a silver on the parallel bars, and Gianni Regini Moran, who's had massive injury problems, broken bones in recent years, thought about giving up the sport, come back to win silver on the floor. So in gymnastics, you can kind of see yet yeah, people are coming back and maybe getting into form. But you're right about the cycle. Yes, an inexperienced lineup, and congratulations to Megan Barker and Jess Roberts in the Madison on the final day. The best performance of this inexperienced squad with a year to go to Tokyo. Uh, Roberts, only 20 years of age uh, with that gold in the Madison, but also just missing out in fourth spot in the Omnian as well after being in bronze medal position. So she's had a good game. So Hayley Simmons as well, who won the first cycling medal with a bronze in the women's time trial. And we'll talk more cycling before the end of this edition of Anything But Footy. But I think think you, you've got to question uh, those experienced riders, as you say. Jason Kenny, along with Jack Carlin, Rhino and, and Joe Truman, did grab a bronze in the team sprint. But, you know, Netherlands were gold, uh, gold medalists. France were second and we beat the Czech Republic. You know, you've got to add in Australia and New Zealand to that uh, for the Olympic Games. And are we in a position uh, where you are absolutely right, Michael, and saying, are we in a position a year to go about the concern of the form because if you're the badminton and the archery you're going to go in with a lot more confidence with the cyclists i'm not sure they've got the confidence at the moment to to progress all i would caveat that with and we've talked about it many a time michael is that a year to go is means nothing for british cycling because they are trained to usually peak uh, for the Olympic Games, and 12 months will make a huge difference. But an inexperienced squad, and I would say the two most experienced riders, probably somewhat coming away disappointed. Well, away from Minsk and the European Games, one sport that is in rude health, as far as the Brits are concerned, is modern pentathlon. Congratulations to Joe Chung, who's won his first senior gold medal at the World Cup final. This, of course, was a dress rehearsal for Tokyo. Modern pentathlon, fencing, swimming, equestrian, shooting and running, and they do the shooting and running at the same time. That means that Joe Chung has secured a qualification spot for the Olympics, and he now has to be one of the favourites, I think, for a medal just over 12 months away at Tokyo 2020. It wasn't to be for the men's hockey team in the uh, FIH Pro League semi-finals. Danny Kerry's team beaten 6-1 by Australia in the semi-final in Amsterdam. Ashley Jackson did score his first international goal in three years and they then lost 5-3 to the Netherlands in the third place playoff. But something to work on ahead of Tokyo 2020. I remember watching the women's England team winning bronze in Glasgow in 2014 before going for gold in Rio. It might be too soon for the men, but there's certainly potential and I tell you the Pro League has been a huge success as well and it's been confirmed it will return to London in 2020. Great Britain's men's and women's teams will play at home over four big weekends of hockey in May and June 2020 with eight double headers on home soil. Watch out for the details on that. 
and I know we've mentioned it before, but the success of that, that London Olympic Park, which again is in use this weekend with that baseball that I mentioned. We've had the hockey there recently as well. If if Seb Coe and the others set out to create a legacy for that place, that venue, uh, they've certainly done that. Remember at London 2012, of course, we had Great Britain taking their place in the football tournament. And we will again in Tokyo because England's ladies, the Lionesses, their 3-0 win over Norway, has essentially secured Team GB a place at Tokyo 2020. Top three European nations all qualified for the Olympics and the semi-final lineup is now there. Netherlands against Sweden takes place on Wednesday night. Before that, England against the USA on Tuesday night. And in a way that the Cricket World Cup, which is going on at the moment, I don't think has, I think the, the Women's World Cup, or the World Cup as we should just get used to calling it, I think, has really captured the public imagination. And I've read a lot of terrific reports in a lot of terrific television, uh, heard a lot of terrific radio about the, the World Cup that's taking place in France. But I'm a little bit fed up, I have to say, with these constant comparisons between the men's and the women's games. I don't know why we as broadcasters and writers, as, as journalists, have to try and pitch one against the other. So this argument, oh, I prefer the women's game because the players don't roll around injured like they do in the men's game. We don't make these comparisons, do we, in other sports? We don't look at the female cyclists against male cyclists. We don't look at it in rowing and gymnastics. We just look at the the sport and take it for what it is. And I'm, I'm bored of having to try and sort of defend or attack the men's game or the women's game. It's not for me about defending the women's game or attacking the men's game or vice versa. I think both games, both sports, it's the same sport, but both tournaments have got their merits. They're both exciting. They've both been controversial. They've both provided a great story. And if you were watching that US-France game in the quarterfinals of the World Cup, it was absolutely brilliant. Mm. It didn't matter if it was a men's match or a women's match. It was just a great contest with a fantastic atmosphere. I suppose to play devil's advocate slightly, it's because the women's game, certainly in uh, England and Scotland, was banned for 50 years. So in, in some people's eyes, it's a totally different sport. And, and that's why they're playing catch up, because they are comparing it with the men's. Because obviously the other sports you mentioned, you've always had men and women competing at the, at the same time. So there wasn't that kind of differentiation. So that might be one of the reasons why they are playing catch up. But you're absolutely right, Michael. Millions and millions of people are watching this on free terrestrial TV. Frankly, I don't, I don't know who is going on or what's going on at the World Cricket, Cricket World Cup. I should do because, you know, we're hosting it. But I just have not got a clue. And that is a, a real detriment to, to that sport. I think the thing that I'm excited about that uh, Team GB will be at Tokyo because you you know you rightly said about London 2012. I mean, I remember going to Cardiff for the opening sport of London 2012, and I you know started covering the Olympics professionally for London 2012, and always found it a little strange that the sport started before the opening ceremony. And I was like, well, this is a bit this is a bit weird. But anyway, two days before there, I was down the uh, the f- lovely first Great Western uh, train line out of Paddington uh, to. Cardiff uh, to go and cover at the Millennium Stadium as it was called then for a Team GB match and I remember what an amazing atmosphere it was it was hot it was sunny it gave us a taste of things to come uh, on that fabulous summer Uh, I don't think Team GB won but they may be wrong I don't they certainly didn't lose but um, they had a fantastic kit which was obviously designed by Stella McCartney some real um, you know uh, Steph Horton who's still in the in the England team at the moment was was involved in that and 
it was just a great occasion. And that continued when they played, I think, in Coventry uh, and also uh, at Wembley. And then we went to Rio, Michael, and, you know, football is such a massive part of the Olympics. And in this country, we're really sniffy about it. We're like, it ain't sport. It's not real Olympics. We had that conversation a couple of weeks ago with someone we met. It's not really the Olympics, is it? Actually, it is. And being in Rio, where Brazil uh, lost in the semi-finals uh, to Sweden, uh, Marta and, the, and the, the brilliant Brazilian women's team, and then the men finally beating Germany on penalties with Neymar, you know, that city... That was the high. In some ways, that was the highlight of the Olympic Games for them. Seeing the uh, the gold and blue and green in the Maracanã, and I think we have to be really careful to think that football is not an Olympic sport. And for women's football, it will be another step because this summer it's changed. You've got it spot on. The agenda has changed, and people are calling it the World Cup next year. They will just call it Olympic football from a team Team GB point of view because for some reason or another the men can't get it together. Uh, because of their uh, the four different nations and won't let the likes of um, you know uh, Harry Kane and, and whatever play at, at the Olympics, which which is a great shame. Um, you talk about obviously football and Rio and how important the football team was uh, to the Rio Olympics. And as I said, I think in a, in a tweet this week, it's a kind of a little Englander approach to to say that, uh, that that football doesn't belong at the Olympic Games. And you know, people use the argument the Olympics should be the pinnacle; it should be the biggest thing. And in football, it isn't. Well, actually. If you're an American woman playing football, the Olympics is probably your pinnacle. If you're Neymar, you want to represent Brazil in the Maracanã at the Olympic Stadium. I was having a ham and cheese sarni in Rio, watching um, some race walking, and then they, they put the football on, and everything stopped. The whole cafe stopped, and they were all watching the, the football. And then they put the race walking back on, and I'm really not having a go at the likes of, of Tom Bosworth and, and others. I think race walking is terrific entertainment. I really do. But for that moment, I thought it was all going to kick off in that Rio cafe. They did not want the race walking on when there was a football match involving their team on the other side, and, and that was Olympic football. So you can have your European Championships, your Premier League, Champions League, but Olympic football, and certainly next year, with Team GB taking its place, as we, we said, in, in Tokyo, Olympic football will, will be very, very important. Quick word on the World Cup. Obviously, it's the Lionesses' second successive semi-final. I think the US will be a huge test. It feels a little bit like last summer for me. Um, we didn't play that well to progress. We've got the leading goal scorer in the competition, Ellen White, Harry Kane. Great display against the Scandinavian team, Norway, Sweden, then losing a semi. I hope not, but that's kind of what my feeling is. Still to come, we'll be talking about the Commonwealth Games, which are coming to Birmingham, of course, in 2022. We'll have a little bit more race walking news for you shortly. Wimbledon starting soon. We'll talk tennis. Uh, we've got cycling news and also the announcement has taken place this week on who will host the 2026 Winter Olympic Games. We'll have news on that. We'd love to hear from you on Anything But Footy, your Olympic, your Paralympic podcast. You can always email us, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, anythingbutf. We're also on Facebook. If you search for us there, we're on YouTube. We're also on Instagram. And we love your comments. We love your feedback. Congratulations to Georgia Taylor-Brown and Jess Learmont. I'm talking triathlon. 
in the World Triathlon Series in Montreal. It was a silver medal for Georgia Taylor Brown, a bronze medal for Jess Learmonth. And we said it, didn't we, on, on anything but footy a few weeks ago when we did our, our special, if you like, from Leeds and the World Triathlon Series there. But certainly women's triathlon in, in this country has got so much strength strength and depth at the moment. I think Georgia Taylor-Brown and Jess Learmonth have potentially overtaken the likes of Non Stanford and, and Vicky Holland and Jodie Stimson, and they are the two probably now in pole position heading towards Tokyo just over a year away. And three more medals for British sailing, this time at the prestigious Kyle Week regatta in Germany. Jack Cookson won his first major international, taking gold in the laser fleet. The 22-year-old just beat teammate Dan Whiteley, who's only 21, and they finished. he finished in bronze medal position. And in the 49er fleet, James Peters and Finn Sterrett also picked up bronze after jumping 10 places up the leaderboard in the final two days. Last month, they claimed the silver medal of the 49ers at the European Championships in Wales. Weymouth and Portland. Birmingham 2022 will hone onto our agenda very quickly after Tokyo 2020, if it's not on our agenda already. But the fact that it will be another home Commonwealth Games, if you like, one of the home nations uh, hosting again after the success of Glasgow in 2014 before heading off to Australia in 2018 and the Gold Coast. Well, Birmingham 2022 uh, will get a £778 million investment. That will go into the city of Birmingham and the West Midlands region as the budget was confirmed this week. 75% of that will be funded from central government, 25% from Birmingham City Council, and that does include a contingency fund as well. Now, they might get additional revenue from ticket sales, from sponsorship, from merchandise and broadcast rights. That £778 million figure, I say, includes the cost of the Alexander Stadium, the new Samwell Aquatic Centre. Remember, there won't be a velodrome. They will be racing in London at the Commonwealth Games in 2022. And those costs have actually come down since they launched the bid initially, having to step in for Durban. And they cost £778 million. might seem a lot to you and me, but it is, of course, all about ensuring this this buzzword, legacy for the region. Promoting the West Midlands, they estimate there'll be a 1.5 billion global audience and £778 million, John, might be seen, I think, as a good investment when you look at the Gold Coast, which was estimated to have boosted Queensland's economy by £1.3 billion. 84% of contracts were awarded regionally for the Gold Coast, and that was up from 76% from Glasgow. So I guess this is one of those you have to speculate to accumulate. I think it's one of those big debates that every city has, and obviously Durban had it and decided that it wasn't going to work for them, and every city has it. I think that the surprising thing for this, uh, Michael, maybe my reaction is slightly that it's going to cost more than it did in Glasgow, up from $750 million, 778 and I just, I, you, you just wonder whether it should be costing us more uh, for, a, for a big city like Birmingham, but I would uh, caveat by, by saying you know, that Birmingham has, is, is changing, literally, uh, uh, minute by minute, day by day, week by week at the moment. If you've ever been there, the roadworks are all over the place. Uh, Paradise Circus uh, certainly never was, uh, but will be going forward. If you, but, and I think that is part of it, that you will see this, this city really grow and develop. And Manchester had it uh, when, of course, it staged the Commonwealth Games in the, uh, in the early noughties, and Birmingham should have it as well. These 5,000 athletes, 71 nations, 19 sports, and we mentioned the new ones coming, but what I like about the Birmingham thing, apart from the Alexander Stadium expansion, which I think is a, is is risky in terms of you know it's going to need to attract bigger events than it currently does. Um, you know, up from six or seven thousand seater stadium to an eighteen thousand seater venue. 
But what Birmingham City Council have said, and I think this is the interesting thing, Michael, that we've been talking about for weeks and months, is they are now confident this will be the true home of British athletics and provide a much better site for locals. And that's the key thing after these games. So the games will be brilliant. We all know it will. But can the Alexander Stadium be the home for British athletics? And I think that means we'll say goodbye to the uh, whole farcical, somewhat farcical deal uh, that uh, Boris Johnson uh, got with West Ham and the Olympic Stadium in in London, where you have the taxpayers funding every summer the transformation from a football stadium back to either an athletic stadium or, as you rightly say, uh, the Yankees and Red Sox there at the moment for baseball. It's cost £4 million to convert it for baseball. And these are two of the world's biggest sporting teams and it's the taxpayers that are paying for it. These deals have to be sorted out from a Birmingham point of view, but I think it will mean that Birmingham once again will become the true home for British athletics, which I know you and I will be uh, very supportive of. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a difficult period of time because I can't see uh, the IAAF continuing to award two Diamond League events to this country. So at the minute, obviously, you have the London Diamond League, the anniversary games as is. You also have a Birmingham Diamond League. I can't see how that is going to continue because the IAAF are inevitably going to want to go and try new territories, new areas. You know, they're taking their world championships to Doha. There's going to be money on offer from various uh, cities, various countries. So I think the future for, for two Diamond League events in Great Britain is probably on, on shaky ground ground what british athletics have had to do this week though is confirm that those british championships will move to manchester from 2020 to 2022 they'll take place at the manchester regional arena those british championships then will be the trials for the olympics in 2020 the world championships in 2021 and the european championships in 2022 i think this is fantastic um a great decision by british athletics i think they've gone to the right place and obviously the manchester regional arena is a legacy uh, a legacy venue from those Commonwealth Games in 2002 in Manchester. 6,000 capacity. It was the warm-up track uh, next to what's now the, the Etihad Stadium. So a good size for the event as well. And obviously I think it's the, the obvious choice uh, for British athletics uh, to move those championships to Manchester while the Alexander Stadium is renovated. And another quick bit of athletics news for you today in Round Hay Park in Leeds. Well done to Callum Wilkinson, who edged out Tom Bosworth in the British Race Walking Championships in Leeds. Uh, Heather Lewis won the women's 20 kilometre event. I don't think Tom Bosworth is in the kind of form that he was a year out from Rio. I know he's been suffering with one or two injuries, which he, he's mentioned. He hasn't raced them without pain for a while. He performed fantastically beyond uh, and ahead of expectations in Rio. Uh, but I think at the minute, Callum Wilkinson, as shown by those British championships today, has, has edged ahead. But I just think in general terms, John, going back to this point of Manchester hosting the, the British championships, there is, a, there is a, a tough ask for British athletics to try and fill a stadium. And choosing one in Manchester with good connectivity and a 6,000 capacity should lead to a, a decent and a good event between 2020 and 2022. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, you're, it's right next to the Etihad Stadium. As you say, it's the, the uh, old warm-up track for the Manchester Commonwealth Games. And it's got amazing transport links. So British Cycling is, is based there as well as where the velodrome is uh, just round the corner. Great metro. I think it's called the Metro up there. Metro links, the big yellow M uh, in, in Manchester. It's got great transport links. And I think it's right that the British Championships will be held there for the trials for the Tokyo Olympics. 
the trials for the World Championships in Eugenie in, in 2021 and then the European Championships in 2022. So Manchester is going to be the place to be for, for British athletics over the coming months before, as we say, Birmingham takes its rightful place. Yep, it will host the Commonwealth Games Birmingham in 2022. You wonder, you have to wonder whether there might be forthcoming bids with that new increased capacity at the Alexander Stadium for things like the European Championships and perhaps, who knows, the return of the, the World Championships. And certainly the IPC, I think, will be looking at Birmingham because, as we know, uh, for some of the para-sport events that have filled arenas and stadiums across this country, I think the IPC looked very favourably on bids from the United Kingdom, from Great Britain. One sporting event which returns that needs no introduction, but I'll introduce it anyway, is <laughs> Wimbledon. It begins on Monday, and uh, the qualification period, by the way, for Wimbledon is now underway. There's a 52-week qualification period uh, for the Olympic Games Sorry, in Tokyo. And as it stands at the minute, five-times Olympic medalist Venus Williams won't be qualifying for the Olympics. You have 56 players who have direct entry to the singles events, but depending on how many players from each country uh, are ranked where they are at the moment Andy Murray would need a special dispensation and Roger Federer could also miss wow. out as well and well I think it's it, it's just a marching on of time isn't it I think yeah. you know we've we, we've talked about how long the likes of Roger Federer Andy Murray obviously we know has been you know seriously injured this year how how long they can go on for and if we talk about the Olympics being a pinnacle of the sport and I don't think it is in tennis but that's not to say I don't think it belongs on the program we can't just make Olympic tennis a, an exhibition where we invite Andy Murray and, and Roger Federer and we get Bjorn Borg and John McEnroe back because, <laughs> you know, they're good box office. It has to be the best players in the world, surely. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, to be fair. And you want to see at this Wimbledon those youngsters coming through and maybe even challenging uh, Federer. I think Nadal's unhappy that he's in Federer's half of the draw because of the seeding systems are different in Wimbledon. So, uh, you know, Nadal and Federer will have to meet each other uh, before the final. And you've got Djokovic, who's, who's back. Um, but, yeah, you want to see in Tokyo 2020 really the next generation coming through and you want to see it start coming through in some of the slams. You absolutely right Michael a real changing of the guards and we may see it at the All England Club in the next fortnight Yep, Joe Conter is the leading British hope in the singles this year. Semi-finalist two years ago, lost to Venus Williams, having a great season. French Open semi-finalist, Italian Open finalist. Anna Bogdan of Romania ranked 134 in the world. First up for Joe Conter, Kyle Edmund, Dan Evans, Heather Watson, amongst the other Brits in action. John loves his tennis. You won't get much work out of him over <laughs> the next fortnight. Absolutely right. Cycling news now. Yeah, the National Road Championships have been taking place in Norfolk. Probably not great for its hills, but what an amazing location. They uh, competed for the time trials around the Sandringham Estate, 25.4 miles. I don't think the Queen was watching and I don't think Prince Philip was driving anywhere near them. Alex Dowsett won record equaling sixth elite time trial, uh, his first since 2016 and admitted afterwards this one meant more to him. Uh, John Archibald was second and 2017 winner Steve Cummins was third. Uh, ben Swift won the men's title in the road race, which finished in front of City Hall and Guildhall in Norwich City Centre. The Yorkshireman, who suffered a big crash earlier in the year for Team Ineos, uh, fighting right back with his first title, 
Could he do it at the Worlds in Yorkshire in September? We'll have to wait and see for that. Ian Stannard and John Archibald were second and third. And well done to Alice Barnes, who claimed her first National Road Championships time trial title. She came second to her sister Hannah last year, who was third this time. And 2015 and 2016 champion Hayley Simmons, and also the European Games bronze medalist, was second as well. She's had quite a week. And John could hardly hide the glee in his voice there as he mentioned Norwich. <laughs> Winter Olympics news for you now. Milan Cortina D'Ampezzo has won the right to stage the 2026 Winter Olympic and Paralympic Games. They beat the challenge of Stockholm. It's the seventh consecutive time Sweden lost out, have lost out in the race to stage the Games. Better public support and better political support is said to have swung the bid the Italians' way. And the bigger picture, of course, from that IOC summit is the change to the way the cities are elected. It's going to be a more cost-effective process. So when we look back at that race when London won the, the race to host the Games against some of those huge cities around the world, cities like Madrid, cities like Paris, when we've had American cities go in, the bid bidding process, I think, for the way that Olympic bid cities and the Olympic host cities is going to change, and it has to change, really, I think, uh, to move with Agenda 2020. So the world of Olympic and Paralympic sport is sorted now until 2028. You've got Tokyo then Beijing, then Paris, then Milan, and now Los Angeles. All I'm going to say on anything but footy is they're going to need some new countdown clocks at Team GB and ParaGB HQ. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 